0: Welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for May 24. My name is John Mason. Thank you for joining us. Over the last 20 years or so, God's people have been increasingly put on the defensive about their faith. In a climate where people of faith are dismissed as intellectually inept or even as terrorists, many are fearful of speaking up about what they believe. Come with me to a significant scene that occurred on the day of Jesus' resurrection. It's recorded in John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23.
1: John chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained.
0: That Sunday evening, the first day of the week, Jesus suddenly stood in the midst of his disciples. John doesn't say how Jesus came to be there, rather, he simply records Jesus stood. Last time the disciples had seen Jesus, he was wounded and bleeding, racked with pain dying on a cross. When they'd seen a spear thrust in his side and the fluid that had flowed, they knew he was truly dead. Yet here he was, not weak and limp, but standing tall, speaking the very words he had uttered at the Passover meal, Peace be with you. And to show he was physically alive and not a ghost, he showed them his hands and his side. Terrified and overjoyed, they doubtless were, they knew, extraordinary miracle though it was, Jesus was truly alive again. Peace be with you, he repeated. And the night of his arrest he had said, My peace I leave with you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in me. In a world of turmoil and injustice, the peace Jesus held out to his followers was not meaningless comfort. His resurrection was now proof of that. Yet it was still surreal. But then, as G.K. Chesterton observed, truth is stranger than fiction. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you, Jesus continued. More than once they had heard Jesus say, as the Father has sent me. But now he was drawing them into his work as well. Jesus had been sent to speak God's words in person to the world. Supremely, he had been sent to be lifted up on a cross at Calvary to rescue humanity. Now he was sending his disciples and in turn his people to announce his life-giving news to the world. And significantly, the disciples would not be alone. They need not be fearful. The peace of Christ would be with them at every twist and turn along the way. So consider what follows. Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If they are retained, they are retained. Let's think about this. Jesus' words bring together the announcement of God's gospel and the work of the Spirit. Neither God's Word nor His Spirit work in a vacuum they are necessarily intertwined. We should notice that Thomas wasn't present and that John's Gospel doesn't record separately the events of Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit. Furthermore, the verb breathed doesn't have an object, despite some English translations. Jesus' words, peace be with you, reference his warm personal relationship with them, even though they all had failed him. This is reinforced with His gift of His Spirit, whom He had promised on the night of His arrest. As Paul the Apostle later says, the Spirit would assure them of their rich inheritance with Christ. We read that in Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17, and Ephesians chapter 1, 13 and 14. But the Spirit's presence was not only for the benefit of the disciples. As Jesus had promised, the Spirit would enable them to remember and to interpret accurately all He had said and done. But He would also awaken the world to a spiritual awareness and convict it of its failure to honour the great High King who so loved us that He gave His life for us. As we read in John chapter 16 verses 8 through 11 and back in chapter 3 and verse 16. Jesus' reference to the retaining and forgiveness of sins is significant. Being in the passive voice, the two verbs indicate that it is not humanity, but God, who retains or forgives sins. When people fail to believe, they remain isolated from the Lord. But when they turn in repentance to the Lord, they receive His forgiveness. Bringing together the threads of Jesus' words in the context of John's Gospel as a whole, it is not any human prerogative to retain or forgive sins. Rather, it is the outcome of the ministry of God's Word, the Gospel, and the work of His Spirit. The ministry Jesus gave the disciples laid the foundation for our Gospel ministry, namely the verbal announcement of God's Gospel that the Spirit uses to transform lives. This stands behind the Anglican Connection vision and mission, connecting for gospel-led regeneration. Our work is not tied to one denomination, but to like-minded, gospel-focused ministers and churches. It's the kind of gospel vision that Timothy Keller, who was gathered into the presence of the Lord last Friday, exemplified throughout his ministry. I experienced this personally when he, a Presbyterian in New York City, unexpectedly invited me, an Anglican minister from Sydney, Australia, to talk with him about setting up a new church in Manhattan. Under God, I was involved in setting up Christ Church, New York City and what is now Emmanuel Anglican New York City. We thank the Lord for Gospel-focused leaders such as Tim Keller and pray that the Lord will raise up many more. Yet how often do we overlook Jesus' words to His disciples in John chapter 20 and elsewhere in the New Testament? All God's people have the wonderful privilege of being sent by Jesus to play our part in announcing His good news. Yet many today are fearful. So let me encourage you to pray that the Spirit will make real your experience of the peace of the Lord within you. Pray also that God's Spirit will awaken you to the riches of your inheritance with Christ and open your eyes to opportunities to introduce family and friends to the Jesus of the Gospels. Let me also encourage you to check out the Word 121. It's alphanumeric. T H E W O R D the Numbers 121. It's an annotated version of John's Gospel. That anyone no matter how young in the faith can use to introduce others to God's good news. You can find out more at www.theword121.com So let me pray. O God, the King of glory, You have exalted Your only Son, Jesus Christ, with great triumph to Your kingdom in heaven. Do not leave us desolate, but send Your Holy Spirit to strengthen us, and exalt us to where our Saviour Christ has gone before, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, for evermore. Amen. Almighty God, who taught the hearts of your faithful people by sending them the light of your Holy Spirit, so enable us by the same Spirit to have a right judgment in all things, and always to rejoice in His holy comfort through the merits of Christ Jesus our Saviour, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You might like to listen to Holy Spirit, Living Breath of God from Keith and Kristen Getty and Stuart Townend at GettyMusic.com.
1: people involved in this week's podcast are John Mason, speaker and writer, and Carol McCormick, a member of Emanuel Anglican Church, New York City. Prayers are from an Australian prayer book, 1978. The opening and closing music is from St Andrew's Cathedral, Sydney, under the direction of Ross Cobb. Please let us know if you have a question or a comment about this podcast. We'd love to hear from you.